right. So I hope the video gave you a little bit of a glimpse into uh, what, what, where the Lord has called us and just the need that's there in South Sudan and, and, um, and just even how the Lord has directed us and called us. And, and uh, you know, like your pastor said, you know, we're called certainly to uh, go across the ocean, go, go around the world here. But, you know, just, just as much as we're called to go there, you know, as you're living here, you're called to reach people right here. And as, as believers, we're all called. We all have the calling to reach the lost. We all have the calling to tell people the gospel. Now, where that is, where the Lord takes us, is going to be different for each one of us. But the calling is the same. It's to, it's to tell people. It's to tell people the gospel. So tonight, if you would, uh, turn your Bibles to the book of Jonah, in chapter 3. Jonah, chapter 3. As you turn your Bibles to Jonah chapter 3, I ask that you would stand. We read God's Word here tonight. So Jonah chapter 3. And we'll read the whole chapter here. It's just a short 10 verses. Jonah chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise. Go unto Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. So Jonah arose and went unto Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days' journey. And Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey, and he cried and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God, and proclaimed a fast, and put on sackcloth, from the greatest of them even to the least of them. For word came unto the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, and he laid his robe from him, and covered him with sackcloth and sat in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God. Yea, let them turn every one from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hand. Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not? And God saw their works that they turned from their evil way. And God repented of the evil that he had said he would do unto them, and he did it not. Fathers, we come to you tonight. I thank you for your word that we're able to open, that we're able to read and, and learn from and help us, each one of us, to apply it to our lives, to be doers of your word, and not hearers only. And Father, help us never take for granted this opportunity that we have. Lord, so many Christians in other countries don't have this freedom or to even be able to hold your word in our hands. Help us to be thankful. Thank you so much for what you have done for us, Lord. And we love you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated.
Well, soon after uh, Pearl Harbor, the attack on Pearl Harbor took place, uh, the U.S. started putting together a uh, a plan to uh, attack, basically attack Japan. And so uh, what what they came up with uh, became known as the Doolittle Raiders. And so uh, basically these were bombers that they they put on an aircraft carrier, which... At that time, this had never been done, uh, launching bombers off of an aircraft carrier. And so it was really a risky move for them. And so, um, but that's what they did. They put bombers on aircraft carriers and they, of course, went off to Japan and ended up being a successful mission. Now, they lost, the U.S. lost every aircraft in that. Every aircraft ended up crashing. But still, it defeated much of the morale of the Japanese people. Now, one of these, uh, the men of these Doolittle Raiders was a man named Jacob DeShazer. And so Jacob DeShazer, at the time that this took place, as, as he was a part of this, he was unsaved. He wasn't a Christian. He had grown up in, in a home that believed in God, but he never accepted Christ himself, and he was very much against it. Um, and of these Doolittle Raiders, about eight of them ended up being captured by the Japanese, and, and he was one of them. So he became a prisoner of war for the Japanese. And, of course, uh, he was not treated well. Uh, none of these prisoners were. They weren't treated very well by the Japanese. And, and uh, I read a biography about him, and the, thing that, the things that uh, were explained about his, his treatment, uh, none of us would have wanted to even mention it. And it was just sad to, to think of, of, of what he went through. Eventually, though, as, as the war ended, he was freed. And he was able to come back to the U.S. And, but during that time that he was actually in those prison camps, so they're in prison in Japan, uh, just over a process of events, he got a Bible while he was in prison. And he read it. And he trusted in Christ while they're in prison in Japan. And as he was there, the Lord began to change his heart towards the Japanese people. Because obviously, of course, at first he had a hatred for them because of how they were treating him. But his heart started changing because of the Lord's work, of course, in his life. Now, after the war, as he came back to the U.S., uh, the Lord started pressing upon his heart to take the gospel back to Japan, which if you read about what he went through, I think any of us would find it hard to do that, to go back to a people that treated, treated you so, uh, so badly. But God spoke to his heart about that, and he eventually he ended up going back to Japan. And ended up he was able to witness to some of the same prison guards that watched him, that were so cruel to him, and saw some people saved, some guards saved as a result. But he had a love for the Japanese people. Now, here in the book of Jonah, as we look in Jonah, we see something very much opposite of what took place there with Jacob de Shazer. Because here we have a man of God, Jonah, a prophet of God, now, we don't know much, a whole lot about Jonah besides what is here in the book of Jonah, but we do know that he's a prophet according to 2 Kings 14. Uh, and then even you know, Jesus mentioned, he referenced Jonah there in the book of Matthew. 
when he likened himself being three days and three nights in the, in the heart of the earth to Jonah being three days, three nights there in the valley of the fish. Otherwise, what we know about Jonah is right here, right here in the book of Jonah, these, this short book, four chapters. And so really from the beginning, and some of you might know about Jonah, if you've, if you've been in church um, much of your life, you probably have heard the story of Jonah a few times. Uh, so there from the beginning, we see that the word of the Lord came unto Jonah. And right from the beginning, he was called, called to go to this city called Nineveh. And the Bible says it was, it was a great city. In chapter 4, it tells that, there, that it was a city of at least 120,000 people. There's more than 120,000 people in this city. And so it was a great city. It was a large city. Uh, it was a major city of the Assyrian Empire. And of course, the Assyrian Empire were not friends of the Jews. They were enemies. Now, you know much about the Jews. The Assyrians, they were often at war. They were often fighting each other. Uh, they hated each other. The Jews hated the Assyrians. The Assyrians, uh, they did some atrocious things to the Jewish people. They, they tortured their enemies. And so Jonah, we see though, is called to go and preach judgment to them. He's called to go to Nineveh, this major city of the Assyrian Empire, to preach to them. I mean, imagine an American being called of God to go to uh, preach the gospel in Saudi Arabia, to go and preach the gospel in, in Mecca. I think that's about similar to what we see here. I mean, Jonah is a Jew. These are enemies. Probably in his mind, he's thinking, if I go there and preach, I'm going to be killed. Not, not, nothing good is going to happen here. Just as much as in our minds, if someone were to go into, say, Mecca and preach the gospel, probably nothing good is going to happen there. But God called him. God called him. He called him to go to Nineveh. And so, of course, we see that Jonah fled. He fled from God's call. He left. He, he ran away. He ran the opposite direction, ran to uh, uh, the, sea co the coast there, got on a ship, and decided to go the opposite direction. He was not going to have any of it. He was going to run from God. And, and certainly, I think part, uh, part of it was that maybe he was fearful of his life. But I think even more so, though, was just the fact that he hated the people of Nineveh. He, he did not want the gospel to go. He did not want uh, to preach judgment to them. Because as we'll see here in a little bit in chapter 4, uh, Jonah knew exactly who his God was. He knew that if by some chance the Ninevites did repent, he knew that his God was merciful. He knew that his God would show mercy and would not bring judgment upon the Assyrians. And so he ran from God because he hated them. And of course, the, the Lord brought about a storm there on the sea and, and the uh, sailors there, they, they were fearful. It was a great storm and, and they couldn't get out of it and uh, ended up, they found, found out Jonah was the cause of this, of this storm. And, and so Jonah told them, throw me into the sea. That's, that's, the, that's the only answer here. Throw me into the sea. Really, I think that just shows how much he hated the Ninevites. 
Because I believe that if Jonah had, had gotten on his knees there and repented to God and told God, I'm going to go, I think God would have stopped the storm and they would have turned the boat around and dropped him back off. But here he says, no, just throw me in the sea. I think Jonah would have rather died himself than to go to Nineveh. That's how much he hated this people. That's how much he hated the, the Assyrian people. And so eventually that's what they did. They threw him into the sea. And as many of us would know, God had prepared a fish to swallow him. And Jonah spent those three days, three nights in the belly of that great fish. And then chapter two is basically Jonah, he's praying unto God. He cried out from the belly of that great fish, cried out to God. And basically he tells God he, he was, he's going to do what God's telling him to do. He repented there. Now we'll see here in a little bit that Jonah's heart still isn't right. Though he chose to obey God, his heart still isn't right. Uh, he still has a hatred for this people, these Ninevites, but he repents. And so that's, this is where we come into chapter 3. The fish has just vomited Jonah out on the dry land, and the word of the Lord comes to Jonah again. He says the second time, saying, Arise, go unto Nineveh. The call didn't change. Just because Jonah ran didn't mean that the call would change. God still had that same calling upon him to go to Nineveh to preach uh, to that city. Preached to that city. And this time Jonah arose and he went to Nineveh. He obeyed God. He did what God wanted him to do. He went to, to Nineveh and he began to preach. He began, he began to, get, to cry out. Now, really, we just see a short message here. He just, it, all that's recorded is this Yeah, 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Just a simple message. That's, that's all that's recorded for us. Now, whether he said more than that, I don't know. But all that's recorded is, yeah, 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. A very simple message. You know, God can use even a simple message to touch people's hearts. Because ultimately, it's God that's doing the work. You know, his, God's messengers are human. We're feeble, we're frail. Jonah was a uh, prophet that was running from him. A prophet that was... Uh, at first, not doing what God wanted him to do. And still, his heart wasn't right. But God was still able to use him. God was still able to use Jonah to speak to the people of Nineveh. And we see I mean, really a great revival take place here because the Bible says that the people of Nineveh, they believed God. They believed God. Here, this Jewish preacher comes in, the, the, their enemy comes in, preaches a message of judgment, and they believe him. Or they believe God. Their, their heart was smitten. God spoke to them. They believed God. The Bible says that they proclaimed a fast and they put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. Even the king, there in verse 6, word came to the king of Nineveh and he arose and he put, he got off his throne, he laid his robe from him and he covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes. Now, in that time, when someone would put on sackcloth and sit in ashes, basically sackcloth was a rough fabric that was uh, used as a sign of, of sorrow, sign of submission. 
And also, sitting in ashes was similar. It was a sign of a sign of sorrow. And so here, the people of Nineveh, as they put on sackcloth, as they sit in ashes, they're showing that they're sorry for their sin. They're showing that they're humbling themselves before God. They're repenting. So here they're sitting in, in ashes. They're, they're covered with sackcloth. And the king even proclaimed and that everyone would fast. He said, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink water. So not only was it the people from the king to the, to the uh, lowest slave, but also commanded that the animals, that their beasts would not eat, that their beasts would not drink water. Now, we know that animals can't repent. So why would he cause the animals to fast? Why would he cause the animals to not drink water? Well, I mean, you think about it, in this day and time, I mean, their animals, that was their livelihood. In many ways, that was their that was a sign of their wealth. And so to cause their animals even to not eat, to not drink, that I think just shows even more how much they were sorrowful, how much they were repentant, that they were even willing to allow their animals to perish, possibly. But they wanted to get right with God. They didn't want this judgment to come upon them. And they were turning, they were turning from their evil ways, and they said in verse 9, Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not? So they said, Maybe there's some chance that God would turn from his wrath upon us. And then there in verse 10, we see the grace of God. Really, this book is about God's grace. Not, not only God's grace towards the people of Nineveh, but, of course, God's grace shown towards Jonah. It says that God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God repented of the evil that he said he would do unto them, and he did it not. So here, the people of Nineveh, they were in wickedness, they were doing wrong, and because of that, God was going to bring judgment upon them because of their wickedness, because of their evil but then they turned from their evil. They repented of that evil. And so instead of showing them judgment, bringing judgment upon them, now God is able to show them mercy. He's able to give them grace. He turned from giving them, bringing judgment upon them to giving them mercy. And we see, I mean, really a great revival take place. Now, if... Say your pastor were to preach to the entire city of Moore, and a great revival took place, and everyone in Moore were to uh, turn to God, repent. I mean, I think every one of us would be excited about that. I'm sure your pastor would be uh, elated about that, excited about that, to see people turn to God. So you'd think Jonah, being a man of God, he would be excited, right? But here, one of the greatest revivals, I believe, in, in the entire Bible is taking place and the one who preached the message is not happy. He's mad. In fact, he, there in verse 1 it says, But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. So he wasn't just a little bit angry. No, he was, he was we could say, livid. He, did, he, was, he was not happy. 
that these people were repenting. And there in verse 2, he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. Aren't we thankful that God is gracious? Aren't we thankful that God is merciful, that he's slow to anger, that he is of great kindness? None of us can say that we are that, but God is. And we ought to be thankful for that. But Jonah at that moment wasn't thankful for that. He wanted to see this people destroyed. He didn't want to see them turn to him. He didn't, he didn't want to uh, see God show them kindness. He didn't want God to be merciful to them. He hated them. So much so that at this point, Jonah wanted to die. Life didn't matter to him. And so Jonah, he goes outside the city and, and uh, set, set up a, a booth for himself and sat there. And I think I, he was waiting to see what God would do, to see if God would truly show judgment to this people. He's outside that city there. And the Bible says that the Lord, he prepared a gourd. He made it come up to shade Jonah. And then overnight, he caused the gourd to be eaten by a worm. And then that next day, there's the east wind that comes. The sun is beating upon Jonah. And again, he's wishing to die because of his circumstances, because of where he's at. And then God said to Jonah, Doest thou well to be angry for the gourd? And of course, Jonah, he's, he says, Yes, I do well to be angry even unto death. And this is what God says to him. This is the end of the book of Jonah. It says, Then said the Lord, Thou hast had pity on the gourd for which thou hast not labored, neither madest it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should not I spare Nineveh, that great city wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand, and also much cattle? Oh, the book of Jonah kind of just ends abruptly, doesn't it? Ends with the word cattle and a question mark. We don't really know what Jonah's response is there. Does he get right with God? Does, does he get his heart right? We don't really know. But I think we can answer that question in our own lives. God is asking him, Basically, why do you care more for this plant than you do for the souls of this city? Over 120,000 souls. You care for more for this one plant, this one gourd that I brought up in a night and it, it perished in a night. You care more for that than you do for these souls. And what is our heart like? We can ask, where is our heart tonight? And, I, and, you know, I'd hope that none of us would have such a hatred like Jonah had where we're willing to die rather than take the gospel to somebody. Um, but I think it's safe to say that probably most of us have run from God at times. That maybe the Lord has worked on our heart about witnessing to somebody 
And we've fled from that. We've decided not to do that. We've decided maybe not to give a track because of maybe uh, who that person associates with or, or what they look like. And when we do that, you know, we're acting just like Jonah. We may not outwardly say, oh, I hate that person, or I despise that person. They ought not be saved. They ought not receive the gospel. You know, we may not outwardly say that, but by our actions, we're saying that. If we run from what God wants us to do, from, if we run from giving the gospel to somebody, in a sense, we're saying that they don't deserve the gospel. We always need to follow God's calling, follow God's leading, follow God's direction in our life, no matter where it may be. You know, just like uh, Jacob DeShazer, as he went back to Japan and, and was a light there in Japan and, and witnessed to people and reached people with the gospel, you know, America still has enemies even today. And, I mean, you think about the World War II time frame, and, and I think about Adolf Hitler and uh, how many people, of course, at that time, hated Adolf Hitler. I mean, he was a wicked man. He did horrible things. But, you know, I wonder, though, how many Christians were praying for Hitler, that he would receive the gospel, that he would be saved. Or how many believers prayed for someone like a Saddam Hussein or Osama bin Laden, that God would show them mercy. Because, you know, Christ died for them just as much as he died for us. Or how many people, how many Christians today are, are praying for uh, Kim Jong-un there in North Korea or Vladimir Putin there in Russia or uh, some of the terrorist groups like ISIS or Al-Qaeda? How many pray that God would show them mercy, that someone would be able to go, that, that the gospel would be able to go to them? You know, God called Jonah to go to a place that was dangerous for him. To go to Nineveh, an enemy. That's where God called him to go. And I believe that today God may be calling people to go to some dangerous places because the gospel needs to go. God wants the gospel to go. God wants even people within a terrorist group to know about him because he loves them, because he died for them. But are we as Christians caring for them? Or do we love them as much as the Lord does? Are we praying for them? You know, and with uh, Abraham, as the angels were uh, going down to Sodom and Gomorrah, Abraham pled with God to show mercy to the people of Sodom and Gomorrah, I mean, a wicked people. A wicked cities. He pled with them, with, with God, all the way down until uh, if he, he said, if there's 10 righteous people in the city, will you still destroy it? And God told him, I will not destroy it for if there were 10. Of course, we know that there weren't even 10 righteous people and the cities ended up being destroyed. But I believe we need to have more of that type of heart that Abram, Abraham had. A heart that we're pleading with God for the souls of, of men, for the souls of people. Because ultimately, we know that judgment is going to come. Judgment will come someday to those who do not know Christ. 
But we ought not wish judgment to come quicker. We ought to be crying out to God that he would show mercy. That he would show mercy to people in this world. Because he's shown us mercy. We certainly aren't deserving of it. We're not deserving of it. But God showed mercy to us. He gave us his grace. And so, you know, God sent Jonah to Nineveh because God loves all people, no matter how wicked they are. And I believe God is still calling laborers because he loves all people. It doesn't matter what they've done, no matter uh, who they are, how wicked they are, even in our society. You know, there's certainly people that are against what is taking place here, what's taking place in church, the people that are against the gospel. And we think, I think of the whole LGBTQ movement and all that's taking place there. And, and it may make us hesitant to reach out to people that associate with those groups. But God loves them. And we ought to reach them. Let's not allow what our thinking about them stop us from giving them the gospel. Let's make sure our heart is where it ought to be. Loving people as God loves them. Caring for people as God cares for them. Praying for people. That God would show them mercy. And so where, where is your heart tonight, this evening? Uh, again, we can so often be like Jonah. And I believe that the gospel is not going around this world as it should because... Too many Christians are being like Jonah. They're running. They're running from God's call. And it may not even be that God wants you to go to another country. It may be just that God wants you to go next door to your neighbor and give them the gospel. But you've hesitated. Well, that's running from God's call. You need to do what God wants, wants us to do. So where is your heart tonight? Do you have a love for people? Do you care for people? as God cares for them, as we even see right here in Jonah. No matter who they are, no matter what they've done, no matter who they associate with, you know, the gospel needs to go. And we need to pray. Pray that the gospel go. Pray for laborers on a daily basis, praying that his word would go and that God would show mercy to the wicked people. We're living in a wicked day, but God still wants to show mercy. Father, I want to thank you so much. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your goodness to us, your grace. Thank you for the mercy that you have shown to us. Lord, help us to always remember that. and Help us to love people as we ought, to care for people as, as you care for them, to do all that we can to get the gospel out, no matter who it is, no matter what they've done. Lord, I pray that you work in hearts as only you can. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.